And my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Today is the Solemnity of the Annunciation, an important solemnity that the Church celebrates during Lent. As you all know today, the new Bishop will be solemnly inaugurated, installed in, in the Cathedral today, and uh, from 11 a.m. onwards in the Eucharistic prayers we will say, together with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Francis, our Bishop. So, Francis, Francis, just going to make sure we got the right one. <laughs> we could say Frank, our Bishop, but that's, I mean, that's how I used to call him, but uh, it wouldn't fit. We'll call him Francis, our Bishop. As you know, the bishop uh, chose this day because he said it would echo his own fiat to that of our Blessed Mother after he received the appointment from Pope Francis he thought well if I get uh, inaugurated on the Feast of the Annunciation it would reflect my desire to serve this large diocese just like Our Lady served, uh, served God with her own fiat. So it's a very public moment today. I'll, many, many priests will be there this morning. I'm going to have to run off early. But at one point, it was a very, very private moment when a young girl, a teenager really, suddenly had this encounter with a divine messenger who came to change her life and to change the very history of salvation. It was a brief moment that shows the transformative power of a freely given yes to God's designs. How everything changes how everything is transformed, how everything is turned around when we give a free yes to our Lord and we let him do what he wants for our life. It's like the Lord's fine-tuned providence to bring us under the umbrella of his merciful providence. It was the obedience of Mary's fiat. She said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to your will. That expression, handmaid, is what is said in English. St. Jerome, when he translated this from the Greek, the first full translation of the entire Bible 
He translated it to Latin, the Vulgate, back in the fourth century. Spent many, many months and years translating. But he used the word Anchila, Ece Anchila Domini. Anchila, at that time, everybody understood that to be a slave. I am the slave of the Lord. Everybody knew what a slave was. A slave had a master. A slave just did and never questioned what the master asked. She, is a, she describes herself. I mean, that, that really shows her humility. At that moment when she decided, okay, I have understood now the message and I'm making myself a slave. And it's that attitude of humility that allowed for the wedding of humanity wedded now to the divinity. Gabriel was the, was the angel entrusted with his task. But you know, angels don't usually act alone. They are accompanied by many other angels, indeed legions of angels. And one can imagine there would have been legions of angels watching for this exchange. They were watching what this exchange was like. They were holding their breath. They were standing on their tippy toes, anxious to see what would happen. Because they knew that everything depended on her yes, depended on her free response, on her fiat her decision to let it go and act in her to begin this insane uh, adventure. An adventure that had been already spoken of in the prophets, had been dreamed about, foreseen for centuries, and that moment is finally the final click. One of the most ancient titles that is given to Mary is really among the first fathers of the church. They saw the connection with uh, Eve. They called her the new Eve. You imagine that the unique relationship between Eve and Mary is that both were born without original sin. Of course, Eve, I mean, she was the first woman. She was born in paradise. She didn't, she didn't have sin at first. Mary was born in the normal way, but by a special privilege. She was born in the womb of her mother, immaculate. She was born without sin. Her purity was a unique privilege that she had been given. Eve well, it wasn't really a privilege. That was the way that it was. You know, she was just created by God. And any creation by God like that, an immediate creation, had to be pure and beautiful and, and sinless. But, of course, Eve was tempted by the devil. There's no reason to think that the devil didn't try to tempt Mary as well. But the devil tempted her, tempted Eve, with uh, this uh, possibility of uh, 
deciding what, what, when she ate the tree from the fruit of the tree of knowledge, of deciding for herself what was true, what was good, and the extreme form of uh, relativism. That if you decide this, you will be like God. You'll be able to decide what is good, what is right, what you want. Which is, you'll be like God. You will be God. Or you will be a goddess. And that's what Eve decided. Yet, Mary, one of the early, earliest titles that we give to her is that she is mother of God. She's not God. She's created just as Eve was, but she was the mother of God. Eve tried to be God. Mary was the slave of God, the slave of the Lord, the handmaid of the Lord, and the mother of God. And as handmaid, she did not decide what was right or what was wrong, what was good, and, you know, as... as as is the nature of relativism. People always decide, well, what, what is right, what is wrong. According to me, I think this. It's a very common phrase. I think that this, you know, according to me, this is what I think. And we can think things about our favorite football team and who the new coach should be of the Real Madrid. And Okay, but we're not talking about sports. We're talking about the most important moral and uh, doctrinal issues of our life. We cannot decide that. It is given to us. And Eve wanted to decide all that. Mary was the handmaid. She was the slave. At first we know that she was troubled and she pondered what God's messengers might mean. She is kind of engaged inwardly. Is it possible that that exchange, that moment of pondering, when it's said what this might mean, might it be that that is the moment in which the devil tried to tempt her? You know, that she had somehow made some other arrangements, and that was the moment of tempting inwardly, which she, of course, immediately rejected. The devil had an interest in tempting her, because he knew the value of her yes She was troubled, seeking to understand. And then the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And he, will, he will reign. He will be in the line of David. She was in the line of David. It suddenly began to, she began to understand She remains composed in the midst of something unprecedented. The Annunciation can be thought of as the precursor to Pentecost. It's at that moment that the Holy Spirit comes upon Mary and imparts to her all, her, all his gifts, the greatest gift being transmitting, making present the Divine Son in her so that she could be truly the mother of God. She was not God. She was not a goddess, but she was the mother of God. 
Now, later, with Pentecost, the Spirit now works in the church. In the same way, just as the Spirit worked in Mary and brought about the Son, now the Holy Spirit works in the church. It's as though that action of the church is now no longer unique to Mary. We too, in some way, become bearers of Christ, Christophoros. The expression Christophoros means carrying Christ or Christ-bearers. Thanks to the action of the Holy Spirit in our souls, in our, in our hearts, in our minds, even in, in our bodies when we receive the Holy Eucharist. That was the moment in which Christ became present. It was not, you know, the incarnation, the beginning when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. That was not the beginning. It was already there for several months, nine months. It began right here in that moment of the Annunciation. We always think about her fiat because the word we've heard, the fiat, the be it done, we say that was her fiat. In English we would say that was her be it done, let it be done unto me. But of course we know Mary didn't speak Latin. She didn't speak English. Most likely she responded in Hebrew. And how would it have sounded like when she said fiat in Hebrew? Well, my understanding is it would have sounded a lot like amen. Amen. You know, when we, we ourselves use the word amen, it's originally a, a Hebrew word. We say it after prayer. We've just said a long prayer. We've said the Our Father, taught to us by our Lord. And then to show that this we want this to be done, we say Amen. We agree wholeheartedly. You know, in, in Protestant churches, when the when the preacher is preaching, you can hear soft responses from the crowd. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen, brother. Yeah. Well, we say in the morning, Serviam, I will serve. We're stating an attitude. We're stating a conviction with regards to something that we will do today. Like It's like something that is coming. It's a disposition that will color our entire day. But when we say serviam, we're talking about the future. We're talking about what we're going to do today. Something that has not yet happened. We can say it now. Serviam to this day. Serviam to the work I have to do. Serviam to my interactions, my fraternity. But somewhere along the line, during our day, we also have to say Amen. When things come to us, when the angel comes to us, when a sister of ours comes to us, when some event, some thing happens to us, whether it's bad weather, whether it's an ache or a pain, whether it's a headache, whether we slip on the floor and fall flat on our face. We say, Amen. <laughs> well, I don't know if you have to say it like that, but... Uh, you know, Amen is the same attitude that our, our Lady had. You saying Servium 
and you saying amen to something very supernatural that will happen today. It can be something amazing. But only if we have the right disposition, only if we have the inner attitude that was present in Mary, in her fiat, in her amen. Our amen is the rectitude of intention. We do it all in silence. We love him. We want to be his vehicle so that others breathe the family air in the center so that we provide that supernatural DNA of the center. You know, when I, I returned here to Ernstcliffe after a few days out, the director told me, uh, Father, we've installed a new sound system in the living room because the speakers didn't work or something like that. So we've installed the new sound system. Oh, okay, good, good. So let me show you. So I went over and there was like a small little piece of furniture. Didn't look like much, but uh, this is our new sound, sound system. It's a furniture with a sound bar. And, and he said, but this means that since the furniture is here and the statue of Our Lady is here, it just doesn't work. We can't, this, this can't happen, you know. And uh, so he said, well, give, you, give some thought to it. See if you can move the image of Our Lady to somewhere else that is tasteful, that looks good. And uh, he said, but remember, it's got to be in a prominent place because she is the cornerstone of Ernstcliffe. She's the first thing we got, and and so it always she always has to be in a permanent or a prominent a prominent place. So uh, I looked around, and well, I don't know yet. I have to figure this one out. <laughs> <laughs> There's some some leaves there. I, sorry, but <laughs> I think the leaves are going to have to go. <laughs> She's the cornerstone, so. Because by her intercession, she helps us to rectify. You know, why did I, why did I remember, we can think to ourselves, why did I remember to pray when I was down on all fours, cleaning under that cupboard or that bed or, why did I think of you, Lord, when I was stirring that, that soup, that pot? Why did I think of the apostolate when I heard the doorbell ring? It's all the act of inter intercession of the Blessed Mother. I mean, I suppose that happens to you when the doorbell rings at a certain time. Okay. It could be the delivery guy, that's true, yeah, that's true. But even the delivery guy, he intercedes, I mean, well, he intercedes, he doesn't intercede, but he, <laughs> he, he contributes to the apostolate. <laughs> because, well, I guess, he's bringing food and... See, without the Blessed Mother, we wouldn't really have that supernatural DNA working in our, in our mind, in our heart, uh, in our way of interacting, in our way of reframing the different challenges that the Lord sends us,
so that we can, we can really say, yes, fiat me. We have to be able to say that in our apostle. We have to say that in the work. We have to say yes. We have to say fiat me. We have to say amen. Because that's what's, what brings in the right color, the right tone, the right supernatural DNA of our work, of your work in the administration. I told some of you that story that I heard from a friend of mine who went to a hotel. He had gone to a conference somewhere in some city in the U.S. He had to stay there for a few days in a hotel. He wasn't used to staying in hotels, but you know, went to the hotel. Every day he would go out and, and uh, go to the conference and come back. And every single day that he came back to his room, the, the, the sheets were changed, the towels were changed, the new flowers, everything was like redone. He thought, wow, it's, it's, he thought it was like a, you know, new, sh new, new towels every day. I, well, okay, fine, good, you know. And uh, I mean, he's not as though I can't use the same towel twice over, I mean, but anyway, so he, he was quite, uh, then at one point uh, he dropped something on the ground, he got on all fours to pick it up because it had rolled underneath the bed. And uh, as he's kind of searching underneath the bed, he sees under the bed, like, I don't know exactly where, but under the bed, there's a sticker there, and it said, we clean here too. We clean here too. And, uh, wow. And so, like, what is that message really saying? It's kind of saying for a hotel staff, well, don't means don't worry, we're taking care of you, this is not a superficial clean. It's we're professionals. We do it really well. And you'll want to come back. Well, I suppose you could stick things under these the beds. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know if he'll do that, but uh, but the message that you give when you clean, when you do those things is that you're doing this under the gaze of God the Father. And he sees everything. He sees everything. He, you know, like, it's as though you could say, uh, we clean here too, Lord. We clean here too. We clean here underneath. Because he sees at the, at the love that you put in those things. He sees your rectitude of intention. He sees your supernatural motive. He sees the DNA of your work. He knows how you provide that family bond which can help through those specific deeds that you undertake from providing the meals, from cleaning, from decorating, all those things. If you want to take care of the thing of Our Lady, no problem. No problem. Probably you'll figure out a much better place than me. But she is the cornerstone of Ernstcliffe, so that, that's the, you know, we can't put her like in a corner somewhere. Well, maybe if she's in a cornerstone, that, okay. <laughs> <laughs> cornerstone, cornerstone, you know. I mean, isn't it true, isn't it true that it is, after all, the apostolate of apostolates? It is the backbone, 
that allows Opus Dei to act in the world with this family spirit. You know, it's like it's the, it's like the canvas on which all the members of the work can weave their personal friendships, their own apostolates. Without the canvas, I mean, you can't paint. You can't paint in midair. You you, you need to, a canvas that is provided. And you're making, by that, you're making something supernatural. You're making it visible, understandable. Precisely what John said about the womb of Mary. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. The Word was made flesh. The second person of the Blessed Trinity which we do not see, which exists, but is not visible, was made visible, was made flesh, thanks to the fiat of our Blessed Mother. Somehow, the administration is making the Lord dwell among us. That's why we have to have a special love for our Blessed Mother. And Mary had to be pure for the Holy Spirit to bring about this incarnation in her, And so we ask her now to help us, to intercede for us in our work, to help us be more conscious of the supernatural in our daily work, our daily life. You probably read this before in the, the supernumeraries when they hear the questions in the examination of conscience in their circle every week. Some of the questions that are read out to them that they listen to have to do, you know, with their culture formation or their cultural development about the wholehearted acceptance of what the, indi what the directors indicate about their prestige and their work so they can be effective apostles and sometimes well you got to skip some of those questions because you know there's, there's no time and uh, you know, the circle's got to come to an end so sometimes you get you know you, one or two or three maybe you skip it but usually keep the questions related to family life. Like the question, do I know how to give way cheerfully in my personal preferences so as to make family life in my home more pleasant by forgetting myself and giving myself generously to the others? And there, that encapsulates beautifully what is the spirit of the work. Do I know how to give way, give way, cheerfully okay it's not my will okay i'll give way it's not my idea of the thing but i'll give way cheerfully my personal preferences i prefer it like this i i prefer it like that it's my my way of seeing it but i give away because it makes family life more pleasant not just the physicality of family life but but the tone the, i don't give importance to things when my when my opinion is contradicted in some way. It's just my opinion. It's not that important. What's more important is the tone of family life, that it be pleasant, that I forget myself, giving myself generously to the others. And we can see how that encapsulates also our Blessed Mother. Let's ask uh, our Blessed Mother to help us live our fiat, our amen, right? our servium, and our fiat if you like, interlacing those two realities in our life, both what's going to happen 
we say Serbian. And what is happening, we say Fiat. And we'll provide that tone that is so fundamental for our vocation. We call it the family tone, we call it the environment. We, yeah, we forget ourselves, as Our Lady did. She ran off to take care of Elizabeth, her cousin, her cousin who was several months pregnant. I can do that with Mary, who is like the first stone of our vocation, our God-given call to spread the DNA of God's love. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.